Every story needs a hero, and every story needs a villain. It's time for the first episode of the year, 2022. Welcome to Hero and the Villain. My name is Drew. Before we get started with the episode, we are now on YouTube. So if you know how to search for something on YouTube, please find us, hit subscribe. It's going to be a lengthy process building up the following on there, but um, I will slowly get episodes put up on that page. We have a couple so far. We have the Kane Cressall episode, uh, Dr. Eric Sprankle. The last episode I did, that was a non-interview, is also up there. And this one will go up there. Before I get to it, I feel it's necessary to throw out uh, a little due respect to the three people that exited my life in 2021 via death, unfortunately. And Big Jim, uh, who was an older father figure type, I lost him back in July due to cancer. A lifelong friend, Nathaniel Luke Pinzon. He was taken from us uh, just a little while ago. And my small weightlifting gym buddy friend, Nicole, took her life last year. Those three people were great human beings, all with their own very distinct character and ways that they enjoyed life. It's part of it. You lose people. And the older you get, you start losing people a little bit more often. Whether it be due to disease, whether it be due to health complications, whether it be due to taking your own life. So cherish the people that you do have. The people that you do have, it's never easy retaining friends, partners, husbands, wives. Don't lose them over squabbles. Keep them. Work shit out. I'm getting older and I'm starting to realize I only have one person that is around, still on this planet, that I would consider an enemy, that I would consider someone I don't like. And a lot of it has to do with their inability to work on their shit. I haven't talked to that person in years, but I hope to really never talk to that person again. But I don't wish any ill will towards them. I just, you know, there's a few people out there you just don't like. Everybody else, whether I talk to people often or not, I hope that they are well. And I can go quite a while without talking to somebody and still consider them a friend because there's no reason not to. That rant aside, own your house, Mr. Teller. You know, it's not often that a television show gives me a nugget of wisdom, but years ago, there it was, Sons of Anarchy. The main character of the show, Jax Teller, was watching his whole world just spin and tumble, and the local police chief 
sat with him and explained her story and her experiences for not taking responsibility for herself, her faults, her lack of attentiveness to the areas in her life that needed it, her relationships, how she went about things. And she suggested that Jax do the same before things got even worse for him. Blame is something people give to others as a defense mechanism. Because for a variety of reasons, admitting our faults and weaknesses is frightening for a lot of people. Not just saying it, but really like feeling it and admitting it. Being vulnerable, as it seems, is viewed as being weak in this vicious, vicious world of ours. We're learning that more and more that it's a sign of strength to show these imperfections and admit our wrongdoings. Blame is like the deformed baby we feel it's not our job to raise, but it is, in a way, lesson that we can learn from. The ability to respond, to own your house, it is pure empowerment and it's humbling. We get to choose how to respond to our situations. That is the word responsibility in a nutshell. So what do you control? Other people? Even pro-doms can't control people 24-7 nonstop. Do you control what others do? No. You can be an influence if they allow it. Only if. Do you control how you react? Yes. All the time? No. No one is in that much control of themselves. Can you get better at it? Yes. Very much. Very much so. And in a world that's filled with blame, people categorize others into these tidy absolutes of right and wrong, good and bad, throw judgment at them, criticize them, but it distances us from our role in these issues. We also pan our place in the role of solutions and hold ourselves away from working towards a solution. Owning your house doesn't mean you are 100% to blame for something. It means that you are evolved enough, mature enough to claim the responsibility for your life and in turn gives you a chance to grow closer to others. Owning your house is self-awareness. It can show emotional maturity. It is how we can repair our parts of the house to build stronger relations. Blame is the fire that burns it down. Blame, in fact, helps your shadow to go to work. It is projection. It is taking something you have and dislike and putting it onto others. It is a shadow's best friend next to shame. You can blame others, the world, groups of people, individuals all day long to deflect what you see in the mirror and how you could have done something different. Blame is how people remain in a victim mentality which feeds the shadow. Owning your house is a part of accepting that shadow so you can learn from it, grow from it, integrate, move forward. Owning your house shows a belief that you can change, improve, do better, evolve. It is the first step in changing our actions, moods, habits, behaviors. Owning your house means owning yours, not others. You cannot take responsibility for issues that are not yours, simply put. For things that 
are not yours to fix. We all have our own house to work on. Trying to own more than your house can leave others the ability to negate the work that needs to be done on their own. It keeps them from taking responsibility for their own house. Doing that can lead to resentment. It takes away from the other party's task of learning how to do the work. Blaming others is like leaving work early, hoping that your coworkers will finish your unfinished assignments, and then you getting mad at them when the boss scolds you. Blame feeds the gaslighting shadow part, shifting blame to others as a form of manipulation through denial. Owning your house throws water on it. It puts things into reality. It gives you clear cataracts on the actual situation and your part in it. It allows you to see both sides of things, to see situations outside yourself, to understand your part. Newsflash, I've been somewhere between a scattered mess of mild depression and attempting to discard lessons I've learned from a mother that was emotionally abused by a narcissistic stepfather and stumbling horribly while I try to do the work. That is me owning my house. And the more self-aware I become, the more I uncover. And half the time, I'm either happy to see it, to work on it, or I'm equally freaked out at these parts. That's a part of owning your house, too. It's recognizing these things. It's often said that those with the most problems give the best advice. I think it's part ego because we think we're a halfway solved hot mess and we know what is and what isn't, but really we're just aware how much those problems can wreck parts of your life. And we don't want others to make the same mistakes. Coaching has allowed me to see what people aren't willing to take responsibility for a lot better and what excuses they can concoct to avoid fixing them or to do the necessary work. But it's also allowed me to see what happens when people admit their issues to do the work, to own their house. And it is pretty amazing what some have done with the bravery in order to evolve and progress. You will never be error free. I know I won't be. You can only choose to be more or less to do the hard work or slack and stay a victim to gain self-awareness and mindfulness or block out the world. To use the ability to respond to the situations. To, to use the ability to respond to the situations you place yourself in and admit your role in them to grow or to resign. You can choose blame or you can choose to own your house. 